0: welcome to the nation's church podcast we hope this message blesses you give me a big wave if you were here last week so many of you um it was a tremendous time as ken um, preached and shared a directional word for the coming year about being united everyone say united united he said that we are to unite around Jesus amen that we're to put on love over all and that we're to protect our unity above all and and Ken's been saying that division is at our door and I think we we all really know that it is we all really sense that so many I've spoken to lately Uh, different people from different contexts have been saying the same or similar types of things, that they're experiencing a lot of challenge, that they're experiencing stuff going down in relationships where it's strained and it's tense and stuff is happening and communication doesn't seem to be working and so on and so forth. There's this call to unity. But who knows when you're in the trenches of real life, when you're in the trenches of real relationships and real stuff going down, unity is actually... Easier said than done. A lot easier said than done. And there seems to be this coordinated assault on unity in the body of Christ and in families and in workplaces and all that sort of thing. And that's why today I want to preach to us on the thought stormproof. Stormproof. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus wants you stormproof. Stormproof. One word or two. Spell check says two. I preferred one. <laughs> but we, we use this word storm, don't we? We use this word, um, the storms of life, you know, this phrase to sort of mean any adverse set of circumstances, anything that happens that is negative. And you don't have to look too far or too wide right now to realize that storms are raging all over our globe. As, as if it wasn't enough for us to be, you know, two years deep into a global pandemic and all the all the nonsense that has gone on globally on so many different levels surrounding that, now we've got this situation where Russia has invaded Ukraine and there's so much... Um, uncertainty around the whole continent of Europe and the rest of the world is looking on horrified are we not you know an, an international government struggling to know what to do in this situation I just want to say if you if you're watching from that region of the world our hearts and and prayers are so with you and we're so believing that even though sin abounds grace will abound more so amen but there's rumblings and and storms all over the globe that are happening but these aren't so much the storms that I want to speak into today. I want to to consider some of the storms that we experience closer to home. I want to talk today about relational storms storms the things that go down, you know, in our marriages, the things that go down in our friendship groups and at our office and with our colleagues and friends, are these not the types of storms that we have to contend with on the home front? Every single one of us. You know, sometimes big stuff can happen externally, but it's the reactions that happen internally. You know, sometimes there's strong differences of opinion that really rock our relational world and, and cause tension in those negative reactions. We've seen so much of that with the pandemic, have we not? Where there's just been differences of opinion and it's brought tension as different people sit on different sides of the fence and things can be said and things that can be done that cause offense so that offense is taken perhaps something doesn't go the way we had imagined perhaps in the relationship world that you're existing in there's unmet expectations maybe someone or something has let you down maybe Someone's brought bad behavior into a relational sphere and that has caused deep hurt and deep pain. Maybe there's issues from the past that are still wanting to haunt the present. Are these not relational storms? Are these not the sorts of things that, if we're honest, we all contend with from time to time? And the causes might be many and varied. Many and varied, but the impact is the same in as much as they disrupt or they threaten to disrupt the peace and the unity that Christ has actually called us to dwell in. But if we're actually... um, called. We are actually called and equipped as the disciples of Jesus to know what it is to live stormproof. Jesus has given us the tools to weather relational storms and to stand strong, to stand in unity. Who knows, it's very easy to stay united when all is calm. You know, when the sky is blue and the birds are singing, bless you in the name of the Lord. No, bless you in the name of the Lord. Oh, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And so on and so forth. But what about when those dark clouds of offense roll in? <laughs> what about the storms of disagreement brewing? All of a sudden, brotherly love leaves the building. <laughs> Where's my bless you? No, that's gone. <laughs> you know, suddenly our unity comes into this place where it's under threat, and just as the storms in the natural do damage, don't they? They break apart and they they upturn and they and they tear down. I've lost count of how many hardy fences around my house have gone down. <laughs> it's a West Australian staple because of storms, you know, that have you know raged at our properties, you know, but. It's true, storms in the natural do damage, don't they? They break down. And if we're not careful, that's exactly what storms will do in our relationships. They'll actually break the bonds of friendships. They break the bonds of family and brothers and sisters. And they can actually erode the covenant promises that we've made to one another as husbands and wives. And they actually can... Put a wedge of disunity into God's own house and between God's own children, so that once where genuine love and affection dwelt, now there can be hurt and accusation and factions and sides and all of these types of things. But Jesus has given us the tools to live stormproof, He actually has, so that if or when The storms of life come and they blow. We can navigate them in such a way that the damage is minimized and that our unity remains, remains. And there's two passages of Scripture in the Gospels where Jesus really addresses this idea of standing in the storm, standing in the storm. And they're found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and also in Luke chapter 6. And there's conjecture amongst commentators who some believe that Matthew and Luke were both writing about the same sermon, but then others believe that Matthew and Luke were actually writing about two different sermons, the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, where Jesus was addressing same or very similar content. And it's most likely that the second scenario is the correct one where it's actually two different sermons. And it stands to reason because don't all itinerant preachers go around saying the same thing to different audiences? (laughs) Yeah, they really do. Um, Especially when it's core content. Especially when it's key content and and like a life message. They would say it over and over again. It's very likely that in the different regions that Jesus entered, that he would repeat these same things often to different groups. It makes sense. And some have called these passages from Matthew and Luke, some have called them the manifesto of the kingdom. So you realise these aren't just like menial teachings. These are actually fundamental concepts, fundamental principles and constructs of this kingdom life that we're called to. Jesus was laying down some really key things that we're supposed to lean into and understand. So it's, it, it's wise of us. To really analyze the content then of these key sermons. Like what was it that was on Jesus' mind? What was it that he was sharing over and over? And and we don't have time to pick through all of these four chapters, obviously. but, But we can very easily summarize the content of these sermons under some broad headings. And it's things like kingdom people are called to be merciful. Kingdom people are called to be peacemakers and to reconcile with their brothers. And they're called to a ruthless elimination of sin in their lives. And they're called to forgive one another over and over again and to show love for all, even enemies. That's what kingdom people are called to. They're called to be generous and they're called to be prayerful and they're called to let go of judgments and be the sort of people that would routinely inspect the plank in their own eye. These, these, are, these, these are the key elements of the kingdom that Jesus was trying to express to us. He was saying, on these things, my kingdom rests. And on these things, my kingdom is built. And both in Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 6, Jesus brings these sermons to a conclusion. It's almost like he would say, in summary or in conclusion. And he says this, we're going to read from Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. He says... Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, what words? Well, the words that he's just preached, these these kingdom principles, these kingdom patterns that he has just expressed in these two sermons. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they puts them into practice puts them into practice. This is what he's like. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain came. Here comes that storm. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I want to tell you that house was stormproof. It was stormproof. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, like you ignore the principles of the kingdom. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. It fell with a great crash. Jesus is showing us how to live a stormproof life. He says when you actually apply these principles of the kingdom, you will be stormproof. proof You, you You know, if you put them into practice, the storm will not overwhelm you. The storm will not cause you to break and be destroyed. It doesn't actually matter how hard it blows or how intense the buffeting is. I believe that you will stand relationships intact, unity intact, hearts made heal and whole because it's the kingdom. It's not just good advice. It's the word of the Lord. You understand? And if we're actually going to live stormproof, it's going to require from us that we would fully adhere. Not perfectly adhere, but be hearts that are willing to fully adhere to the principles of the kingdom. And, and acknowledge the wisdom of Jesus as greater than the wisdom of ourselves. When those storms hit, it's not enough to just know what Jesus said. It's not enough to even quote him or have it on your toilet door. You know, that is not enough. We have to live by it. We have to do it. We have to put it into action. And then we live a storm-proof life. The problem is that everything that Jesus taught us is actually so counterintuitive. You know, they might be simple to understand, but they are far from easy. They're far from easy. The tools that he gave us are not necessarily the tools that we would automatically reach for, especially when those storms of relational conflict are swirling around our lives. Like, In my role as pastor, I get... My front row seats if you like to more than my fair share of relational conflict and people just dealing with things in relationships and and so often I tell you the tools that we're using are not the tools that Jesus gave us the tools that we're reaching for are not not what he told us to use when those storms blow we tend to conform not to the pattern of godly wisdom but a pattern of human wisdom like we lean into human wisdom, not to the spirit, but to the flesh. And we wonder why our relationships are taking on damage. We wonder why the things are going on there and we're not standing in the storm. Like when someone's hurt you, you know, when someone's misrepresented you, it is not instinctive in that moment to walk in radical forgiveness. It doesn't come by instinct. We feel so justified in holding on to the offense. And there's a raging within us and there's a pride that wants to rise up. It wants to rise up and defend. And in that point of being challenged, we are quick sometimes to turn away from the principles of the kingdom. You know, when someone's wrongfully accused you or or smeared your reputation, it is not instinctive at all to be someone that would inspect the plank in their own eye and be looking at your own behavior rather we rise up and again want to defend ourselves and repay blow for blow and tit for tat and that sort of thing and in the flesh we can completely justify it totally justify it you they did you wrong it's fair game you know, they hurt you, hurt them back. You know, they, they, they lied to you, they were dishonest, cut them off. You know, just, just you know, put them at arm's length and so on and so forth. But here's the thing, we're not of the flesh. We're of a different kingdom. As disciples, we're actually of a different kingdom, called to a different way. And if we want to stormproof our life and relationships, we must apply the principles of the kingdom. If we persist in the ways of the flesh, you know, if we persist in the need to be right and self interest and these sorts of things, the storms will do damage and the conflicts will perpetuate. And we can find ourselves in that place so far removed from the peace and the unity that Christ has called us to dwell in. You know, whatever is not of Christ's kingdom. Has no capacity to weather the storms. Like, your well formed arguments are not gonna make you stormproof. You know, my clever defense for myself will not make me stormproof. <laughs> You know, if I hold onto that offense, if I hold onto that grudge, that will not make me stormproof. If I build big walls of self protection and self defense, you know, that will not make me stormproof. Jesus said, It's only in doing what I tell you to do that's when you will be stormproof. That's when you're on a solid foundation. You will not sway, you will not break, you will not fall. And we need to ask ourselves, be the sort of people that ask ourselves, if we're not building on the principles of Christ's kingdom, then on whose kingdom are we building on? Like if it's not Christ, what is it? If it's not of him, who is it of? You know, when we, for whatever reason, ignore or sideline or abandon kingdom principles in our lives, it's actually very easy. To inadvertently pla- partner with the plans of the enemy for our lives. Like sometimes we can do it ignorantly, sometimes we can do it inadvertently, but nonetheless, it's easy when we ignore the principles of the kingdom to come in and partner with what the enemy wants for our lives. Make no mistake, the enemy does not want us united. He does not want us united in our marriages and in our families and in our church. His plans for our lives, the scripture is very clear, is to steal and kill and destroy. That's his heart for your space. He would love you living in a loveless marriage. He would love you living in a lackluster space in your family and your marriage and that sort of thing. He delights in division. It's part of his strategy. It's part of his strategy to come in and divide and conquer. The Scriptures say that a house divided divided against itself will not stand. And so the enemy rides in on these relational conflicts and he breaks apart and he does damage. damage, And we take on hurt and pain in those spaces. But this is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, don't give the enemy a foothold. It's a powerful weapon in our hands to not give the enemy a foothold. Let's, a football. (laughs) It's been a long morning. (laughs) Don't give the enemy a football. Uh, Verse 25, we're going to read. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. I love that. You know, in your anger, do not sin. Like you can get angry and you can get frustrated, but just don't let that go on a downward spiral into a place where you sin and you compromise. It says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. What does that mean? It means deal with it quickly deal with it straight away. Don't let those things in. Don't let those things come between you. And it said, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give it to him. Don't go to bed angry. Don't don't leave that thing swept under the carpet. Don't stonewall someone. Don't give him a foothold. Don't do it. You know, we're at heartbeat summer. Um, last Saturday and many of you would have been there and you just saw the footage on the news package just now um, of that um, beautiful day that we had together and part of that fun family festival we had the rock climbing wall. You would have seen that that footage just now. There's this rock climbing wall and it's really high tower, a couple of stories high, just about as tall as this building. And um, little Jonah Lutera, uh, you might not know him, he's 11 years old, but he's the son of Pastor Mel and Mark Lutera, who are Port Kennedy campus pastors. And he was loving life. He is so active. His mum once told me that his step counter registered 17,000 steps before recess. (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. And he just went up and down that wall so many times. He did not care about anyone else. He probably didn't eat lunch. It was 36 degree day. It did not seem to deter him. Up and down, up and down. He's like, dad, time me, tie me, time me. Bless his heart. He was just loving it so much. But I thought about it. It was like, the only thing that enabled him to conquer that wall was the footholds. It was only the footholds. You know, he defeated that wall time and time and time and time again because of the footholds. And I thought, you know, imagine if we were to remove the footholds. Imagine if we were to take all of those things off that tower. It wouldn't have mattered how determined young Jonah was to defeat it. He wouldn't have been able to because he'd have no foothold. And this is the imagery I want you to see of the enemy actually getting access into our lives. He only gets access on the footholds that we give him. Whether we meant to or whether we didn't, he comes in on what we give him. And when we abandon the principles of the kingdom and we choose the ways of the flesh and we hold on to a bit of bitterness and unforgiveness and all these things, we actually give the enemy a foothold. And it's like he puts one foot on our judgments. And he puts another foot on our pride, you know, and he's climbed up on a bit of bitterness and he's climbed up on a bit of uh, unforgiveness. And all of a sudden he's all over our relationships with this legal access in our relationship. But the good news is when we adhere to the principles of the kingdom that Jesus has given us, we rip the foothold out from under his feet. When we would adhere to his principles, straight away we gain an upper hand and, and we gain an authority in Christ. To, when we fully adhere to his word, to his heart, there's an authority that we find that the enemy now no longer has any place in our life and our relationships. James 4.7 says this. It says, Submit yourself, to, sorry, submit yourself then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, it's a two-step process, first submit, then resist, you know I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of resisting, no weapon formed against me will prosper, which is great, but I- Check yourself in the submission. Are you fully submitted to his word, to his heart? Are you living according to kingdom principles? Because it's actually a two-step process. Submit to God. And then you get an authority to resist the devil and see him flee from your life. Abandon your relationships. If we're not in submission, we're actually fair game. We're sitting ducks. But it starts with our obedience, You know, when we do things like stop our judgments, let them go, inspect the plank in your own eye, when you actually do that routinely, habitually, daily, in every situation, you know, when you take pride off that thing that wants to rise up in you, you tell it, sit down, sit down, I'm coming in humility, I will get lower, it will open a channel of grace. When we do these things, doesn't matter how much the enemy might want to infiltrate, he can't get a place, he cannot get a grip amen you know sometimes we excuse ourselves saying it's just a little thing it's just a little white light you know just a little grudge just a little bit of offense I'm not really proud just self-respectful <laughs> you know, I don't hate them I'm just happy not to see them you know that sort of thing you know I'd be glad to talk to them but they have to contact me I'm not calling that, that sort of thing. And we excuse these little things, just harbor these little things, and we ignore it, and we justify it, and we push it aside, and all those sorts of things. But I want to say don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. That little thing is all the foothold that the enemy needs. The Scriptures actually tell us that a little leaven can leaven the whole lump. In other words, if we don't deal with the little things, they actually have the power to corrupt everything. Little things can turn into big things quick as look. And, And we are disciples. We are disciples and we need to live by the words of Christ. And we need to follow the heart of Christ in our lives. And as we do that, That is where we stand stormproof. And it can blow, but we're not going to break in Jesus' name. Look, I want to acknowledge here that um, human relationships are complex. (laughs) And there's nothing in me that wants to oversimplify. There's nothing in me that wants to um, belittle any real heartache or hurt or pain that anybody has been through in this place I know it's deeply complex but that can't negate the fact that kingdom principles work and the words of Jesus Christ are powerful to bring life and bring um, wholeness into our relationship. Pastor Roland is the one that sometimes teases me and he says when you preach I feel like I'm being slapped and hugged all at the same time (laughs) And, and i I'll take it. You know, like I, I know that there's a bit of a slap in this message, but I really hope and pray with all my heart that you feel the hug, that you feel the hug of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus actually said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. They're life. And He is inviting us into unity. He is inviting us into a place of blessing. He is inviting us into love and joy and peace. And those places where our hearts will be at rest and our souls will be at rest and we'll sleep beautifully we won't be kept up at night thinking about the conflict that's raging in our relationships because Christ comes in and his grace comes in and he can do what we can't do in Jesus' name. And maybe you're sitting here today feeling like a bit bad, you know, a bit like maybe you're reflecting on some of your relationships, maybe things have completely broken completely broken down maybe you're thinking about past places where there's just so much hurt and so much pain maybe you're thinking about your own behavior in those spaces and and maybe you did inadvertently give the enemy a foothold or you didn't follow the principles of the kingdom and I just want to say don't you feel bad the Father loves you so much. He just loves you so much and He can restore and He can cover and He can do miracles. Don't come into condemnation because in Jesus there is none. Absolutely none. We all fall short. We've all made messes. We've all done damage. I've done damage. I've made messes, etc., and so on. But the Father's love covers and He's given us a beautiful gift called repentance. Repentance. When we see it about ourselves, what do we do? We repent. We change our thinking and we come back to his house and we come back to his heart. 1 John 1 says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is just. Even when we're faithless, he is faithful and he's got to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's given us his spirit who helps us in our weaknesses, we need only pray, we need only ask, and he will give us more grace. And the footholds that we've given to the enemy can be just as quickly reclaimed in Jesus' name so that he has no more territory. Amen. I've had so many moments in my life where I've had to do what felt like brutal work the brutal work of applying the things that I'm teaching today it's hard and I had a I had a long-term conflict with a friend and it was painful and I did lose sleep and it was bitter and it was horrible and it actually caused tension in my marriage as well as in my friendship and in hindsight I was just as much to blame as anybody but in the moment I was proud my flesh was raging. I felt so justified in how mistreated I had been. And I felt, you know, driven to be validated in my right, rightness. You know, trying to pull people to my side of the story. And I raged and I talked to people, you know, that would listen and so on and so forth. I do, did all sorts of things that in my flesh I could completely justify. But none of them were kingdom. None of them were right according to the word of Christ. And there was one thing that I did right. In spite of all my other bad behavior, I, I still had an earnest desire to please the Lord. And I would pray. I would say, God, it doesn't matter what other people think of me. It doesn't want to matter what other people say about me. I want you to be pleased with me. Like when you look at the hidden places of my heart, I, I want you to be pleased with what you see. And that was my earnest prayer. And It was in the earnestness of that prayer that I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit say, I want you to walk in love. And initially I was ticked off. I was like, what do you mean walk in love? Like what even is that? What, What does that mean? And he took me very clearly to 1 Corinthians 13. And he started to show me that he wasn't looking for a gushy emotional response. He wasn't looking for hugs and flowers. He was looking for me to make particular choices. Choices, choices. 1 Corinthians 13, we know, well, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it keeps no record of wrongs, it perseveres and all these sorts of things and I started to see, it wasn't emotions to feel, it was actions to take, it was choices to make. Are you being kind, Chris, or are you walking in love? Are you being patient, Chris, or are you walking in love? Are you ripping up that record of wrongs? Are you persevering in this situation or do you just want to cut them off? Like, what are you doing? And it showed me how I could actually walk in love. And as brutal as the process was, I committed myself to obedience. Not perfectly, but but daily or every other day, I would pray, God, help me. I need the Spirit's help. Help me in particular to tear up that record of wrongs because it feels so difficult to do right now. I feel so justified, but I'm remembering that you've kept no record of my wrongs. You don't count my sin against me. And, and in the passage of time, the testimony of that relationship it is completely restored. There is no stain of the bitter time that it went through. All glory to God. Amen. Singers and muses, you can come and join me. You know, Jesus wants us stormproof. He wants us to live stormproof. He wants your relationship and your marriage stormproof. He didn't die for us to live in conflict. He didn't die for his body to be divided. He died for us to be in victory and, and in harmony, to show the world who he is by our love. That's what we're supposed to be. That's who we're supposed to be. But it starts as we come into obedience. It starts as we would say, I'm going to fully adhere, not perfectly adhere. Because we're still human. But come back and come back and come back to the principles of the kingdom, believing that they work, desiring to look more and more like Jesus tomorrow than I did today. And we will stand. You know, I want to ask you, what would happen in your marriage? What would happen in your relationships, like right now, if you fully humbled yourself? Like if you just let go of the arguments, like, Let go, let go. What would happen if we apologised without condition? What would happen if we stepped down from pride, the thing that wants to rise up? We put it down and come in humility. What would happen, you know, if we did the right thing? Not to manipulate a right response but just so that it would please the heart of the Father, that it would garner His smile. I can already tell you what would happen. Miracles would follow. The Holy Spirit would start moving. He would have the foothold in your life. He would have the open door. He would have the place to access. The Scripture says, I give grace to the humble. So grace would start to flow in unprecedented measure and humility would beget humility and those gentle answers turn away wrath. And it's good, and it's pleasant, and there the Lord commands a blessing. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church Podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.